the thing that's been harder to do and is still a journey but is changing is more around the kind of culture and the feeling of inclusivity and supports after that kind of really discombobulating time. Households are kind of microcosms of society. You know, we have equalness, we have balance, we have shared responsibilities in our household and that should really just be reflected in workplaces as well. We are delighted to welcome the wonderful Olivia May to our podcast. Liv has this year been promoted to partner at her firm, OCNC Strategy Consultants, has a two and a half year old son and is currently five months pregnant with her second. You are therefore a great example of a woman who has been promoted whilst having children and we'd love to delve into your tactics in a bit more detail later in the podcast. Aside from the promotions and epic CV, Liv is passionate about women's progression in the workplace. You are the former head of the firm's International Women's Network. You wrote the firm's parental strategy and you co-run the firm's International Parents Network. We'd love to start with a bit of background. How did you get into strategy consulting? How long have you been at your current firm? And how long were you there before your first maternity leave? Oh, thanks, Joy. That's such a nice intro. Um, and you're also a personal friend of mine. <laughs> I'm a personal friend of Joy's, which is just obviously fabulous in so many ways. Um, so, well, th- firstly, thank you so much for having me. I think what you guys do is absolutely amazing. And I'm so delighted to be on this podcast. Um, and then a little bit about me. So I actually joined my firm straight out of university. So consulting is a great career for anyone who has no idea what they want to do with their future because it gives you essentially a great business apprenticeship in lots of different business sectors and types of business. Um, So consulting itself is a very broad church and it essentially means advising companies and the nature of that advice is very broadly split into two. So strategy, which is kind of vision setting and then game planning to realize a strategy and then more operational or more management type consulting, which is actually implementing and driving through very long-term transformation programs with businesses. And OCNC does the former So we spend our time doing pure strategy work. And personally, I'm part of our retail sector. So I I do that work very specifically for retailers and consumer brands. And the majority of my time is then within that spent on the fashion sector, which is super interesting and an area I absolutely just love. Um, And the type of work we do is roughly split into two. So we will advise companies directly and we will work directly with their team uh, in an advisory capacity, or we will advise private equity firms who are either looking to buy or sell a business in the retail sector. And we will do what's called the commercial due diligence for them. And I have been with OCNC specifically for 11 years now. So I have gone through now every grade in the firm uh, and have seen the firm evolve immensely over that period of time and in particular in terms of the way it thinks about the inclusivity of of women and and parents which has been wonderful to see. Is consulting a male-dominated industry? So it is but it's quite specific it's the the graduate intakes are increasingly equal and actually the, a lot of energy has been expended on 
demystifying consulting more generally within universities, but then very specifically for female candidates, um, because it was seen to be, you know, quite analytical, a bit scary, a bit of a black box. Um, and actually, it's a it's a career you can do from any subject with such a broad range of skills. Uh, and so there's absolutely no reason why it should bias men over women. Um, but actually, what we have seen and what is really systematic across the industry is that you just see more women dropping out as you go up the pyramid. And, you know, when I started in consulting back in, in 2012, when I looked upwards, there were so few women above the age of 30 uh, within the organization. And, and, you know, there was a strong sense that women would get to a point where they might be about to get married or they might be considering settling down or having children and they would look for a career change that they perceived to be as more sustainable and you know one of the big fights we've been really pushing for is to to try and make the job both really aspirational and sustainable up into those senior levels for women how did it make you feel not seeing senior women above you would would that have helped your path it's interesting i I think it's done two things. I think I think I did look upwards and I and I desperately wished there was a person or a blueprint that I could replicate or follow. And that's existed definitely in in pockets, but you you had to somewhat kind of piece it together. So I think I I wish there had been more examples of of female role models. So I, I think that is one impact it had. But the the other is that it did actually it it gave me to a degree quite a lot of freedom to cultivate my own path because because the blueprint didn't exist um, and to try and actually have as much influence as I could over the type of trajectory, the type of journey through the firm that I, I wanted to carve out. And that was actually in many ways quite freeing. When you went on maternity leave for the first time, was it, were you a bit of a trailblazer? Were there others that had done that? How did you approach the leave and the pregnancy? So it was, there had been women who had gone off in on maternity leave in the, the kind of nine or 10 years prior to, to, to when I went off to have Dylan. Um, but very few who had returned either at all or or returned long term um there was a couple of women of my peer group who were off on maternity leave at the time that I went off so it wasn't unheard of um and there was a little bit of help and advice out there that I reached out for um but it it wasn't commonplace um but actually a what has even happened in that period of time is a whole wave of women going off on maternity leave and coming back and coming back really successfully um, and then going off again and then coming back. And actually, that is so great to see personally. But also when I think about the women who are earlier in their careers, looking upwards, they now have so many examples and so many blueprints um and I think you know that's that's a fantastic evolution that the firm's gone through and what has changed from a firm perspective or maybe from individual perspectives to make that happen you know women 
be feeling able to come back after one, two, three children? What's changed? Yeah. Um, so it's a really good question. And it's, you know, the simple answer is that we've improved a lot of our policies. Um, policies steered very specifically towards senior women and to parents. So we've taken really good steps to improve our parental leave policies. Um, we have either side of our parental leave. We've really tried to transform how we do ramp downs and ramp ups so that you are, um, you know, you can have a bit more of a gentle outro and intro to, to, to commercial work again, which has been very beneficial. Um, we are very shortly going to be equalizing parental leave across men and women um, so that that, you know, is going to have a big impact on leveling the playing field. Um, That's fantastic. Which is fantastic. And then, you know, other things as well, like we now offer an emergency childcare provision. So if you have an unexpected sick day, the firm will fund your, you know, have, having to get a last minute nanny in or equivalent. And again, so those those policies have been brilliant and transformative. Um, but the thing that's been harder to do and is still a journey, but is changing, is more around the kind of culture and values and the feeling of inclusivity and the feeling of support that I think women and parents more generally get when they are back in the business after that kind of really discombobulating time of having had a child um, and been out. For and that's a, a slow know, journey, a of but we're months. getting there. And, and for example, last year, we um, introduced a number of new criteria to um, our partner remuneration, for example, that now take into account how inclusive that partner is of people with caring responsibilities. So um, it is slowly but surely starting to influence how senior decision makers across the organisation think, um, which is which is fantastic. But I think we're still we're still several years away from that being very fixed and ingrained across the organisation. And those policy changes that have come into place. I mean, Joy mentioned earlier how actively involved you are internally. Have those policy changes been? Um, as a result of employee action or, you know, from top down from HR influenced by other companies or competitors? A bit of both. So started quite grassroots. So when I was leading the women's network, um, we launched this big benchmarking exercise where we reached out to all any any contacts, friends, or you know even new people who we were linked into via LinkedIn or through through women's networking societies, uh, just to really get a sense of what all of our competitors were doing, and that was you know the hard stuff, the actual tangible you know what's your what is what are your policies, but also some of the softer stuff, some of the cultural stuff that's super important to go with that. Um, so we started there, and that was actually a, a quite a collaborative effort across quite a lot of women across um, OCNC. We then brought all that information together and there was a bit more of a senior-led effort to then convert that into a recommendation that we then took to, to what's called the cabinet at OCNC um, to, to help really drive through change. 
And that was really the influence point, And that made them really stop and think about the benefits of what we were recommending. And then the ultimate decision and sign off came from the top. Do you think in the future we might see that kind of information that you gathered in that survey published? I've got a friend who also works in the investment management industry who's been doing a sort of similar task um, and whether you know this can become something that firms can actually shout about in a good way rather than hiding and you know hiding away in policy documents that no one sees until they fall pregnant. Yeah, I mean I think there's such a space for that. And I think, you know, particularly where there are industry-wide diversity challenges, to my mind there is absolutely no harm in everyone collectively making a really significant step change here to improve the industry as a whole. Um, I don't think it needs to be something that's held sort of secret within specific firms, because I think it's so, so it's the benefits are so much broader than that. Um, And I think that could, you know, that will have really self-perpetuating benefits for how you think about recruitment, how you think about retention, how you think about the value of the consulting industry as a whole. So I, I absolutely agree with you, Alzi, on that. Yeah. Can we get a little bit personal, Liv? So you got pregnant with the lovely Dylan. I did. How did you tell work? How did it go down? Talk us through that journey. So, well, I had done a lot of work um, on the parental policies that we've just been talking about. So I don't think it came as a huge surprise to my firm when I then announced that I was I was pregnant. Um, and, you know, and OCNC had seen me since I was, you know, they, I'd been there since I was 22. So, you know, they see me get engaged, they see me get married, they see everything. So I, I think they thought it was the natural step, uh, the next step. So um, it was, the reaction was very positive. Um, right from the start, people were incredibly supportive. Um, and I have a, a particularly c- close sort of boss and mentor within the organization called Mari. Um, and she had at the time four-year-old twins and, you know, she was extremely supportive and she really helped talk through the different kind of options and paths available to me, which was fantastic. Um, so I think everyone was supportive. As I said at the start of the conversation, there wasn't an obvious blueprint necessarily for how to do mat leave well. Um, so that was slightly trial and error. Um, but we were trialing at the time. What were the errors out of interest? Um, well, no, nothing explicit. I, I think at that, that point in time, we were sort of trialing ramp downs and ramp ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the ramp down in particular was basically to sort of insulate you to a degree from being right in the middle of like some important project and having to pluck yourself out. And it was to have a very structured way of, of, of handing over projects or particular client relationships for the period of time that you were away. And I think my version of that was still a little bit in the um, teething stages. And, mm-hmm. and now it's, it's much smoother and, and, and there's a much kind of clearer process. The other thing which was absolutely no fault of, of OCNCs was that my son came four weeks early. So oh, my gosh. whole ramp down <laughs> period was like totally blown out of the water. What's the idea behind the ramp down? And is this something that's formula- form- formalised for everyone? So it, it, do you what start moving away from projects or do you go down to four days a week or how, how does it work? 
you it's sort of led by you to a degree um so and and you can choose not to do one there is there is no requirement to do one if you just want to keep going until you know the day your mat leave starts and and, and then just carry on as normal that's that's also completely fine uh, but it's it's to give you a, a a structured phase down of work um and to make sure that you're not dragged into something really difficult and complicated when you are nine months pregnant Um, and that could look like opting out of of client work in that you know final say four weeks before you go off and you just focus more on um, internal projects that have less demanding timelines um, and less need for sort of face-to-face interaction and those sorts of things or as you say joy it could be that you're going to use some of your leave to to stagger your departure and you know you might go down from five days to a couple of days a week and the same principle applies when you come back um and the the ramp up what um has actually proved very effective particularly for men who have gone off on paternity leave because they tend to come back at a time which is you know right in the midst of the sleepless nights and the nappy changes and the bottle sterilization at three o'clock in the morning um and so you know it's very tough to go back up to 100 percent on all the commercial work that you're supposed to be delivering so actually giving the men an opportunity to do slightly softer internally focused work for a period of time um has proved pretty effective so that's at your discretion is there any pressure did you feel pressure to make sure you were pushing forward until the very day you left not particularly any uh, I mean self self-inflicted pressure for sure because you know even at the point that I was going off with Dylan I was very much gearing up for the partner election process so extremely conscious of my commercial worth to the firm um, and the client relationships that I was important to, um, and, you know, letting go of those was quite challenging, but it was, it was my, me putting that pressure on myself rather than the company. I think, you know, OCNC in particular were, were very keen to do it as right as they possibly could. And especially given that, you know, there weren't a ton of different examples to, draw upon at that point in time was part of the pressure that you put on yourself to become a partner and not allow um the whole having children thing to take your take your foot off the gas um was that because you were so conscious that that can happen to a lot of women if you take too much of a step back I think yeah well partly but more in the my case it was because I just hadn't seen any examples of it there had been I had in the whole time I've been OCNC there'd never been a a woman go off come back and be made a partner in short shift um you know the the female partners that we have either don't have children or had a more kind of lateral moves in their career that meant they had women whilst they when they weren't working at OCNC and then they came back into the partner role um, so I think it was a slight nervousness around, you know, is this something I can do? Um, if so, how the hell do I go about doing it? Leaving the business for a year and letting go of all these great relationships feels like it's probably going to slow me down rather than speed me up was the thought process. Did you have a year off? 
So I took 11 months, um, which we did partly in combination. So my, my husband took the first month off and then he took two months of shared parental leave at the end, one of which overlapped with me and then one which was uh, solo whilst I went back to work. How did you find the change of pace going from such a high intensity job to maternity leave, which is a, a whole different level of intensity? Oh, do you know what? Like, I absolutely loved it. I I really thought, well, I, I think partly because I was like thrown into it because I had no no warning whatsoever and I didn't have any of the sort of ease into mat leave that, that most people have. Um, but I... I've I think I've always been someone who actually can can switch off work mm. and you know when I'm on holiday for example I really do try to stay away from my work phone and, and not get dragged into things and I'm also like weirdly very good at filling my time when I don't have any plans and so I think I'm a personality that's quite well set up for mat leave I'm certainly <laughs> very much looking forward to round two <laughs> And did that partnership process happen when you went back or while you were still off? So I, um, a bit of both. I had, I was given an appraisal while I was on mat leave because I, the, the I, I had done several months of work within the appraisal period before going off. So I, I was, I think looking back, I was grateful for that. At the time I was like, I mean, as if I give a shit about this appraisal that you're going to deliver, I've got like a screaming child next door and I haven't had any sleep for the last six weeks, but thank you. And I, but like, you know, I look back now and say, you know, that was helpful for my ongoing development, but um, that, you know, and that, and that was saying, you know, you, you are, you are on this track, obviously at this point in time, focus on on your child and, and and working that out and then when you come back into the business you know we will be here to help and support you when I got back into the business I I did actually opt for a ramp up period um which meant I spent four months actually that was the four months that I wrote OCNC's parental strategy which was an amazing use of that period of time and I loved it and and adored it and I hope what I did will have a great impact for the firm. Um, but it did continue to kind of slow down the path. So, the, you know, Christmas last year was a real taking stock moment of, okay, I am feeling pretty stagnant in my career right now. Uh, up to this point, I've been very used to, you know, promotions coming every two years. And now I've been in this role for like four years in total. I really need to like step up, step up again now. It'd be really interesting to hear you talk us through a bit more about the parental strategy that you wrote um, and the changes that you suggested and, and how that all came about. Yes. Um, so it had, whilst I was on, um, on maternity leave, we, we got a new international managing partner um, at OCNC and he, um, he launched a, a new strategy as part of his, um, his tenure, um, and a fo- re- you know, it was very, very people-oriented strategy, um, which was fantastic to see. But one of the the things that it highlighted was areas where our diversity and inclusion might be a little bit behind the curve of where it should be, um, and parents was one of those areas. Um, and there, w- it was just you know thought that there was space and opportunity to be a bit more transformative in terms of how we were thinking about 
retaining, recruiting, attracting parents within our firm. Um, so we, I, I, I used a lot of the work we had started back when, um, when I was leading the women's network to as the launch pad for, okay, what aren't we doing that we need to be doing? I spoke to many parents as I possibly could across the firm from, from different levels, from different offices with different childcare setups and brought that all together into a series of recommendations for the firm. A bunch of that stuff was things that we were, were already in train that we either needed to accelerate or tweak or enhance in some way. Um, and that was a lot of the kind of policy stuff. And then some of that was around kind of bigger change programs that we needed to think about. So, for example, travel is something that's extremely difficult to do when you have small children or even, you know, any kind of caring or childcare responsibilities. Um, and actually, we as a firm needed to be a bit more mindful about how we thought about the, our expectations around travel. Um, and then another example was around the types of flexible model that we could be offering both sort of week to week type flexibility. So, you know, three day working models, four day working models, but also kind of day to day type flexibility. So where we expect people to work, um, you know, when we expect people to work and just making sure that we had as flexible approach as we possibly could to some of those. And out of interest, did the pandemic change things significantly from a flexibility perspective? I mean, speaking from my experience, we were a five days in the office before and now things have changed and you know it's almost been a blessing in disguise in some ways was that your experience yeah massively it's done so many favors for the consulting industry which is just amazing so that that it, those battles were not as hard to fight as I think they would have been without the pandemic but yeah certainly like everyone's very comfortable with sort of 60 40 office working, home working, everyone is naturally a bit more mindful about how essential travel is, particularly international travel. Um, and yeah, so I, I would agree with you, Alzi, yeah, that that has been one of the silver linings of the, of the pandemic. And are there any other aspects of the flexibility that you were suggesting um, changing that you've taken advantage of since being back? So I work a four-day working week. Um, which is one of the options offered by OCNC. You could also work a three-day working week. Um, and that was a decision I took quite lightly, I have to say, whilst I was on mat leave. You know, I was sort of thinking about my return to work. I'd had a couple of keeping in touch days, but I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, four days a week. That sounds like a good plan. And, you know, Dylan will be in nursery four days and I'll, I'll, I'll look after him on Fridays. And it actually wasn't until I was doing it that I was like, okay, this is quite hard. Um, I probably should have thought a bit harder about this. I'm having to do the same job in 20% fewer hours, which is quite challenging. Um, but so that was one of the single biggest adjustments, I would say, to going back to work and getting used to this whole you new balance you're trying to strike when you're suddenly doing a job and looking after a child. So with your four-day week, you're doing the same role with the same remuneration. But yeah, as you say, you've basically lost one day of work. So you have to make that up effectively. Effectively, yes. So in theory, I was only sort of staffed out to projects at 80%. Yeah. 
it, I mean, in practice, uh, there's still the same level of client <laughs> expectation. Um, of there's still the same amount of output. There's still the same number of team members to manage. Um, so it, it, that's a real balancing act. But actually, like it, it made me razor, razor focused. I, I think being a parent in general means that you every minute counts so much more um, on your working day. You really don't waste any time. And then when you're squashing that down, by 20%, I think you you are even more razor focused in terms of how you plan your day, prioritize your time, what you choose to opt into, but also very importantly, opt out of to help enable that. Is that something, is a four day week something you'd recommend to others? I think it's entirely personal choice. Um, I think if you're doing it for rational reasons, you will be disappointed because it's a 20% reduction in salary in most cases, unless you have, you know, a very generous employer, he'll let you do, you know, five days in four. But for most people, there's a 20% reduction in salary, but also in probably your bonus, in your holiday allowance, in any subsequent maternity leave and pay that you might take. It's That's a good only, point. I'd never thought of that, actually. Yeah, yeah. And and then the other one that gets you is it's only a 10% reduction in nursery fees because the way the nursery's capacity manage means that it's not a linear relationship for them. They, they typically can't fill a spot just for a Friday. So they only dock 10% for you for only attending four days a week. And, you know, as I said, it's probably a 0% reduction in the certainly the quality of work that you are expected to deliver. So if you are doing it for pure practical or rational reasons, it, it, it sometimes it's sometimes you really struggle to make it stack up. But the way I try to think about it is, all right, those things exist. I have to make my peace with that. But what I'm getting is 50% more weekend or 15% more Dylan time um, every week. And for me, that's that's been lovely. And I think, you know, the weekends fill up with plans and stuff and swimming lessons and going here there and everywhere so quickly but Fridays we actually you know it's mostly just a very nice relaxed day that I have with Dylan where we make plans relatively last minute um and and you know personally I I absolutely love that so you know I think on balance I would recommend it I, I would caution about the fact that it's quite challenging um, <laughs> and that economically it basically makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> and how do you find nursery generally? How did you find settling in and choosing the nursery and that sort of process? What was your experience? Well, uh, so hugely, hugely helped by the fact that my husband was on shared parental leave at the time. So he did that the month he had solo while I'd gone back to work, he did all the nursery settling sessions with Dylan um which was you know I, I think for him great because he suddenly was on pat leave and then he'd have these like four hour blocks where Dylan was in a settling session and he could like go off to the gym or meet someone for lunch so I think he was quite chuffed with that um but actually it it, it set a precedent right at the start that we were both going to be involved in the drop-offs and pickups and the nursery routine that was something that absolutely wasn't my role as a mum that was 
our joint role as parents. Um, and then it meant those kind of teething challenges with nursery settling, you know, if they have a day that they find really difficult and they're sort of inconsolable or they, as Dylan did, get sick, you know, every other week that Mike could pick up some of the slack on that um, without having to sort of disrupt my return to work. How did he find parental leave? So he loved parental leave. Um, and, and, you know, we had a particularly fun overlapping month, which also coincided with when all the lockdown restrictions had lifted and we could do some holidays and, and quite a lot of lovely family time. Um, I think it's also great for just may, ensuring that your partner is just as on top of the routine as you are. Because, um, again, I think that's just so important to equal parenting. Um, interestingly, though, his return to work experience was very different from mine, um, where I would say, you know, uh, overall mine was, you know, positive and, and supported. Um, his In his company at the time, no one had taken shared parental leave before. So they very much thought of it as, you know, Mike's been on holiday for two months and <laughs> oh, so classic and so disappointing in this day and age um so he was kind of kept out of decision making and things that had happened and restructuring no one had communicated with him while he'd been off no one had thought you know on his first day back to sort of sensitively take him aside and say you know we just wanted to keep, get get you up to speed that these things have happened in your absence it was a bit more like oh well Mike you haven't been here so you know what did you expect? What does what does he do, Mike? Uh, what does Mike do? So he's he's always worked in tech startups, and and they tend to be, you know, I would say generally very forward thinking in terms of their approaches and policy. So it was disappointing to see, and um, you know, and he was made to feel very guilty about having been out of the business for that period of time when you know it, he didn't do anything other than what is he's legally allowed to do so he actually moved jobs it's a real shame isn't it yeah it's a real shame but his current employer is much more um much more progressive from that perspective so hopefully it's not something that will be repeated second time around because it's absolutely all about the culture isn't it shifting that cultural environment in order to encourage and support men as much as women in kind of taking that time I totally agree and I think you know when people talk about leveling the playing field I always think of that from both sides. You know, I think it's really important that men appreciate how hard it is to be out for periods of long periods of time and have to settle and fight your way back in. But equally, I think for 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 men, actually, let's let's give them all the benefits that women enjoy in terms of, you know, the amount of time they can spend with their children, the the structures and the support that goes, you know, alongside that. Um, because I think that's just as important. And there's almost a bigger mountain to climb for the dads because, you know, the status quo has been two weeks. So anything more than two weeks, you're seen as abnormal, effectively. Um, and so our, you know, generation are the trailblazers from this perspective. And the more we get to, you know, six months off for the dads and six months for the mums or, you know, whatever mixture suits your family, the better, I think. Yeah, completely. And And like, if I reflect on my household... And actually, I was really taken by your by your last guest, Ali, because she absolutely reflected what's the case in our household. Like, I am just froth. I am froth. No, not Liv. Mike is all function. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
honestly, like he is, he's energy, he's water, he's the weekly Ocado shop. <laughs> like if I died, we would have slightly worse table lamps. And if he died, <laughs> Dylan and I would die of either starvation or exposure. One of the two. And, you know, so... And like, and I you know households are kind of microcosms of society, you know, like it, it's, it, it's, we, we, we have equalness, we have balance, we have shared responsibilities in our household. That's and hilarious. I totally that agree should with really that. just be reflected um, in workplaces as well. I'd love to hear more about the partnership process. Um, did the thought of potentially having more children worry you in terms of putting yourself forward or did that, was that something that just didn't play on your mind? No, it was a huge factor. So I knew I wanted a second child um, if I was lucky enough to have one. Um, I also knew that I didn't want to go off on maternity leave again with this this thing still dangling over me. So speed was important. So this time, you know, Christmas twenty. Christmas last year, 2021 to 22, I was like, right, I want to do this and I need to make it happen in a year. That was that was the plan I set in my head. And, you know, hopefully that will line up with, you know, ha- trying for a child at the, roughly the same time. Um, but so I, I made it quite difficult for myself, I would say, from both of those perspectives, trying to stick to such a fixed timeline. Um, but actually, I think it kept me quite focused. Um, and one of the best pieces of advice that I was given, you know, as I was really galvanizing towards partner was this is an election, not a promotion. So the difference being that, you know, up to that stage in my career, promotions had been handed to me as rewards for a job well done and no one was going to hand me this role of partner just because I'm doing a good job at, at my current role you know in the same way that political candidates need to fight to be elected in this was something that I needed to to do and, and prove myself so that you know the partners had confidence in in the value I could add and that was really really useful advice because that really just helped me center in on okay like if this is an election, is this, if this is something that I have to convince people of, okay, well, what's my what's my plan and my strategy going to be? Um, and and that's really how I approached the last year as as a sort of um, you know as a drawn out election campaign, um, and obviously was a success. <laughs> well, ultimately, I and, and you know the. We, but with a with a few bumps in the road i would say and it it i i i was also conscious of doing it in such a way that didn't mean you know that, that i was relying completely on mike to do all the childcare i still wanted to be doing as many of the drop offs and pickups as i could and still be home for bath time and not traveling um you know or working crazy hours so i wanted to do it in a in a sustainable way as well which is quite a tough balancing act but again, I think that kind of that thing around focus and prioritization is just so, so important. Um, and the other big thing for me, I think, um, as I've you know reflected on the journey is just how important mentors and sponsors were in that process. 
Um, and I was actually quite explicit with a number of my mentors at work about speed, about the fact, you know, I really would love to get this in the bag by next year um, because that fits with the timelines of my personal life. Um, and they were actually then really, really helpful at, you know, helping me game plan. How do we then do this in a way that that is fast and efficient whilst also being effective? That's fantastic. And you had those mentors in place prior to this journey starting with children and everything else? Yes. Yeah, so we have a sort of um, what's called a coach, a, f- a formal coach within uh, OCNC. Um, and and sorry, is that a colleague of yours or is that a professional coach? So as a colleague, um, you can also choose to have a specialist coach outside of the business, um, which I actually didn't do in this this situation. But what I did do was seek out other mentors and coaches outside of, um, you know, the, the one formally allocated to me, just people who had great tips and advice, people who would be able to help me open doors commercially, um, people who'd make help me, you know, think through the plan and the strategy to get there and and that was absolutely invaluable. Liv can I just say how amazing and impressive it is to be promoted to partner after having your first child and knowing that you're going to have a second as well it's just uh, I'm so inspired that you pushed forward that you've demonstrated it can be done particularly in a male-dominated industry it's so so, I mean well done. Thank you Joy um yeah, I still like ha- hasn't quite settled in. I would say yet. It's still like a little, little bit of imposter syndrome lingering there. Um, but it, it was, it was kind of gratifying to, to know that it can be done. And you know, I, I hope again for the, for the women looking upwards that they see that you know it can be done. I mean, it's what women who work is all about. We want to just showcase people like you who have shown it can be done. You've had, you've got an amazing, you know, family life. You've got a, a child, you're about to have a second, but that hasn't stopped you from progressing in your career and also making adjustments like going down to four days a week, et cetera. And that hasn't impacted your career path, which is a, a, a great testament to your firm as well. Yeah, it is. And actually, you know, they they have been very, very, supportive um and they've also been really open you know because I I basically sort of had to work out how to do this thing and what it was going to look like and the the rules and boundaries I wanted to set around it and I think some of those were culturally quite different from particularly how some of our senior partners might have approached the partner election process you know several years ago um, but actually, the you know the support and openness for that has been has been fantastic, and and as you say, like a great testament for the for the firm more broadly, which I think is generally speaking pretty open minded. And looking forward to your next maternity leave. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're excited about it, which is fantastic. Um, do you have any? Is there anything you've learned from the first time round that is going to help improve this time round? Oh, good question. Alvin's full of them. Yeah, you got. I mean, both of you are. Um, I think I will be a bit more thoughtful in terms of how I think about handing over projects and relationships, um, because I, I think last time I was very much like, "Well, I need to. You need to take me out of this. Someone else needs to pick that up. How do we sort of sever this in quite a hard and fast way?" Which made the return really, really challenging. 
um, in terms of rebuilding some of that commercial traction. So I think I will be a bit more sensitive in terms of how I both, you know, I need, I will need to hand over relationships, but I also want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to nurture them in some way whilst I'm on maternity leave. And I think that can be relatively light touch. It can be coffees here and there. Um, but I think actually that's just helpful in terms of, you know, building back up momentum when you return to work. So that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing is much more like personal and selfish one, but half of my mat leave last time was during lockdown. And oh, same I know, with ours. Yeah, Joy and Alza, you'll <laughs> obviously remember this. So I'm just like so up for just having as much fun as I can. And, and I know that has to really be fun oriented around the baby, blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, fun oriented around the mums and the dads and you know, I'm really up for the like afternoon rosé sessions. And Can you hurry up and get on that leave? I know, I know. <laughs> well, I have a good track record of premature babies, Joy, so you hopefully won't be waiting too long. Are you going to take 11 months again, do you think? Is that, a right, is that the right time? I think so. I, th- I think Mike and I are roughly thinking the same sort of plan as last time, so him doing some upfront and then a bit of overlap and then him picking up at the end. Um, I, I think so. I, I've, I was wondering whether I should take a shorter period of time um, this this time and go back after sort of seven or eight months. But I expect for Mike and I, this might be the last the last one, uh, the last baby we have. So never say never. I know. Well, yeah. And who knows what, you know, mistakes do happen. So who knows? <laughs> um, but so I think, you know, I, I think I want to maximise the duration to a degree from that perspective. Um, so 10, 11 months, I expect. And will your childcare arrangements change? I think they will. So at the point that I go back to work next summer, after the second one, um, my son Dylan will be approaching four. So I expect that will be when he starts not proper school, but preschool, um, which then suddenly is on school hours and school term times, which is just like impossible for two parents who work full working days that you're expected to do. It's not childcare, is it? I know, nine till three. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, who, who came up with that? Anyway, so we will definitely need some kind of wraparound arrangement at that point. And obviously, I was so thrilled by um, Rishi and Jeremy's latest budget because I think in, you know, we will uh, we will be probably some of the first beneficiaries of that because my second baby will be just nearly just one when se- in September 2024 when they're when they're starting to lengthen the the provisions down to one year olds and my God that is going to make such a big difference to how we can combine p- types of childcare. So we will probably do a portion of nursery that will be subsidised by the government. And then we will have probably a nanny in place to to do the wraparound care for Dylan and then some s- several days a week for, for the baby. It's a bit of a game changer, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot to be fleshed out. And I know that there are um, some issues I've seen that are coming coming out in relation to the detail but in terms of just as a principle 
the fact that this is going to encourage more parents to be able to go back to work and going to help and support them and doing that it's just incredible I mean it just wasn't on the agenda three years ago and now it's on the front page of every newspaper yeah it's just amazing and I think even with the with the amount of publicity it's got you know if it helps institutions companies pause and think about how they're supporting their employees with childcare as well I think that will be a a great halo benefit um it will be really great to have you back on our podcast once you've had your second maternity leave and gone back to work again just to hear about you know differences in your experience um doing it as a partner and just get a bit more a bit more insight from you if you'd be happy to come back yeah definitely be delighted to our first return guest scheduled in a year in advance yeah Yeah. can I just ask one um one question Liv on um the step up to partner and what that might change so obviously you've you went back as a non-partner um and you say you're going to take the same amount of maternity leave how will it differ um in terms of the day-to-day will you be doing longer hours or is it simply just a case of doing the same number of hours but you've just got a slightly different role I think the total number of hours I'll end up working in a given week will will probably end up being roughly similar um and you know consulting is not a nine to five um but it definitely can be an eight to six with a couple of evenings you know doing an hour or two here and there um you know you can you can definitely make it work within that envelope and I think realistically you know when I'm when I go back into the partner role it won't be markedly different but what will be different is the the control and autonomy I have over those hours um will be all the more flexible which is super um I will have to continue to be very focused and very clear in my prioritization. And within that prioritization framework, I will have to be more client driven on that than I am, than I, you know, I had, I could be in my previous role. Um, So as with any professional services, you know, as we all know, you are slightly at the behest of your clients. Um, But I think, you know, so that, that will be a new challenge to, to be navigating on a more regular basis. Um, But actually, you know, so far I've been pretty open with clients about my working model and about my caring responsibilities. And, you know, I've only ever been, I've only ever really had positive reactions to that, um, even from our more demanding end of the client spectrum. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that that will be manageable, but I will report back in more detail when we uh, reconvene in 12 (laughs) or 18 months time. Fantastic. And as we do at the end of all of our podcasts with our guests, we'd love to hear um, over this journey, what has been your biggest high and your biggest low? Okay. Can I start with the lows? Of course. People always start with the lows. (laughs) I know it's nice finish on a high, isn't it? Um, Of course. So... uh, I mean, child sickness is just the pits, isn't it? Um, brutal. It's brutal. I mean, I had an incident a, a few weeks ago where I was suffering from hyperemis gravidarum, which is oh, no. essentially intense morning sickness. I, I was, I couldn't keep anything down, spewing my guts out. And um, then I got a call from the nursery saying, Dylan's just had his third loose bowel movement. (laughs) Come and pick him up. That would be excellent. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't even get out of bed, let alone go and pick up a toddler in the middle of the day. 
fortunately, my incredible mother-in-law um, came to the rescue and uh, she sent me back to bed and then she looked after Dylan for a few days while his bowels resettled. Oh, no. um, oh can I do another low as well? I yes, just thought of one that was even worse than that. Um, uh, well, travel gone wrong can throw a real spanner in the works and long story short I was meant to fly home from a trip to the Netherlands and I ended up being stuck in Frankfurt and had to stay unexpectedly overnight and so sort of missed the pickup and bath time and was going to miss drop off the following morning and it was throwing all sorts of spanners in the childcare works um and then I got to a airport hotel and one of the side effects that I get when I'm pregnant is really bad nosebleed so I just walked into this hotel room and then suddenly my face was covered in blood and I hadn't seen Dylan and I was like this is a terrible moment in my <laughs> life and particularly in my parenting journey um so those are less than ideal uh but highs I mean the real high for me has to be we 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 just had our 12-week scan for this pregnancy um and all was fine and, you know, that was wonderful news. Um, and I just got home and walked through the door. And then I got the call to say that uh, my partner election had been successful. So it was wow. such a double whammy. Day. What a day. Um, it was a great day. But interestingly, actually, at that in that moment, I mainly felt relief. And then it got announced internally a couple of days later. And I got some lovely emails from women across the firm just saying, this is so amazing to see you know we're we're really lucky to have you as a role model within the business and i was like oh my god this is this is the career high these this is the this is the moment making changes yeah you're our role model too Viv. Oh, thank you so are you guys for me <laughs> my gosh the work you do is amazing um well thank you so much for joining us it's been really interesting to hear about um you know your first pregnancy and now your second your amazing rise to partnership within your business and all the work you've done internally in terms of championing not only mothers but parents more widely and i think as we said you're a real inspiration and i think this conversation will hopefully be fantastically useful to lots of our listeners so a you know, huge thank you for joining us thank you Liv. thank you very much for having me thank you so much for listening to our new woman who work podcast Please help us to grow our listenership by subscribing, reviewing and commenting. And please do share with any friends or colleagues who you think may find this useful. Also join us on LinkedIn or sign up to the mailing list on our website, www.womanwhowork.uk, to ensure that you never miss any of our content. If you'd like to be involved with Women Who Work or have any ideas for us, then please do get in touch on email at hello at womanwhowork.uk. Thanks again.